Welcome to the Men of Valor program. Uh, we're recording today after the holidays, and uh, we certainly here at Faithful and True hope that all of you had blessed holidays and uh, uh, will have a blessed 2019. Well, Happy New Year, Mark. This is the first show of 2019, right? and as you said, we'd like to extend the same uh, good wishes to all of our loyal listeners that are out there. We have been truly blessed by our growing audience. Uh, 2018 was a fantastic uh, year of growth for us with the program, and we're looking forward to 2019 as well, and you have come in totally loaded with a great idea for a new series. Yeah, you better qualify the term loaded, because... A lot of people do a lot Prepare. of drinking. Oh, yes. I, I was, I, we're on the heels of New Year's Eve. I forget about that. Yeah. You, you came in totally prepared and uh, set to launch uh, a new series that we're looking forward to. Yeah, Loaded for Bear. Well, the thought struck me that, well, I was listening to, I don't know what, some radio broadcast or some TV program where people were challenged to t- tell their New Year's resolutions, you know, and the whole concept of... New Year's resolutions come up. And uh, that made me think that uh, it's so often hard for us that have ideas of what we'd like our resolutions to be to carry them out. And that reminds me then of, you know, the basic principle of addiction recovery that, you know, we are oftentimes powerless over our good intentions, which leads me to, you know, Paul's writing in... uh, and for our Catholic listeners out there, St. Paul's writing about uh, powerlessness in uh, Romans seven fifteen, when he says, The good that I would, I don't do. Therefore, and therefore, the evil that I hate, that's what I do. It's one of the theme verses here at Faithful and True. And I think we sometimes, uh, we hear the last part about the evil that I hate uh, in terms of the addiction behavior and that, that uh, kind of... Uh, uh, stuff. We know we, we, we have things we want to stop, and hopefully, you know, a lot of our listeners out there, you know, have stopped. What I think is harder to do is to think about the uh, good intentions that we have to start new things. And, you know, this is something we've talked about over and over again, the old AA saying that if you're going to stop something, start something. In other words, if you've got a lot of energy, and it used to be uh, expended in the pursuit of your addiction, what are you going to use that energy for now that you're not doing the addiction? And therefore, uh, if you don't use the energy, it's going to kind of sit there and you'll be bored and restless, and that's not a very uh, safe place for an addict to be. No, it's like you're looking for a new distraction, right. a new addiction to take the place of the old one that you're trying so hard to stop. And many of us find them, some of them not nearly as... Uh, dramatic as sexual addiction, like food addiction might even be. So, and we've talked about that, you know, on the program before in terms of what we used to call cross addictions or addiction interaction. Uh, The point being that that energy uh, will find a a form of expression. Mm -hmm. And so we would like to think that it can find the form of expression that is in positive behaviors. And uh, therefore, we need to Uh, have encouragement about that. All of this leads me to the 12 steps again. And, you know, we've talked about on the show before how some of us have taken the 12 steps and contracted them down to seven principles, like I did in my uh, workbook, uh, The Life Guide for Men. And I think 
uh, they're worth uh, distilling out by themselves. I'm not, hopefully, in terms of what the listeners are perceiving, I'm not worshiping the 12 steps, but I do think they contain in them a lot of direct spiritual wisdom that we can directly relate to Scripture, as we will along the way here in our series. Well, I think most individuals out there, especially anyone struggling with an addiction, whether that be sex addiction or alcoholism or food addiction, you know, they're they're hungry for direction. And mm-hmm. and this uh, the twelve steps certainly are kind of a tried and true format. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're at that time of year. I, I liked your reference to energy because I think most of us get through the holidays. We get to the new year. You jumpstart into the new year, and you're bound and determined to make positive changes in our lives. So I think the mm-hmm. timing of your idea to to talk mm-hmm. about the twelve steps over the next series of of shows here is pr- probably well timed and hopefully helpful to our listeners mm-hmm. who are trying to jumpstart 2019 in a very proactive nature. Yeah, and before we go any further, I want to speak uh, for just a moment to all the spouses, the wives, and so forth listening out there. And uh, one of the ways, and we've again said this so often, um, but one of the ways for you to be a companion to your husband, who is the primary addict, the sex addict, so forth, uh, is to accept and recognize some of your own uh, powerlessness, which is uh, what we're talking about today. <laughs> I should have said it before this. The first step, which is I admitted that I was powerless over sex addiction or lust. Uh, I was powerless over alcohol, powerless over food, powerless over shopping, whatever it is, and my life had become unmanageable. That's what St. Paul is saying. Uh, without Christ and without completely surrendering to Christ, you know, my life is going to be unmanageable. There's good things that I want to do that I don't do and evil things that I hate that I do do. So for the couples out there listening, I think one of the ways to arrive at companionship is to kind of take stock and recognize and accept and own with each other those things over which we feel powerless. I noticed over the holidays, for example, and this is kind of a rambling I don't have a prepared manuscript, as you well know, Randy. One of the things I noticed over the holidays is how many of us parents feel powerless over our children. And that's one of the ways for us to become companions. And let's let's be honest, and I'm not going to go into specifics, but you know, can we all agree that if we do have children, there are times when our children uh, make decisions that we absolutely are 100% against, or we think it will lead to some form of destruction in their lives, uh, or we wish that they would own their own powerlessness over it and uh, you know, seek some help. So all I'm saying is there's, there's certainly a lot of different things out there over which uh, certainly a couple could own their powerlessness. For the men out there listening, obviously in 2019, we want this to be yet another accumulation of days in which you're sexually pure and uh, sexually sober, as we say, and and uh, we want that to be an ongoing buildup of days, weeks, months, and years of uh, sobriety. Uh, for the wives, you know, they recognize that they're powerless over their husbands, so, you know, that's part of their recovery. But again, just to say it before the break, I'm challenging all of you to think about beyond the field of sexual addiction— what are you powerless over? What uh, do you feel like, particularly 
What are some of the resolutions that you have about positive things that you'd like to start? I mean, classic things that we all think about are spiritual disciplines and exercise programs. Sure, your phys- your physical well-being. Yeah, right. right. And uh, what kind of powerlessness do you have over making those changes? And after our break, we will uh, kind of address how I think accountability comes into play with this. But that is the first step. I admitted that I was powerless over something or some things, and my life had become unmanageable. Let's give our listeners the break to think about that point, because I think mm-hmm. that uh, it's valid that you uh, open the invitation to not only the men in our audience, but to their wives as well, because uh, that's how recovery and healing is going to take place for them, uh, is with them both being engaged uh, in that recovery. You are listening to Dr. Mark Laser, and this is the Men of Valor program. Trigger of the week, the month, the season, for me, Randy, I was thinking about this this morning driving in, and the listeners should know that uh, for Debbie and I to see our three children over the holidays, given where they are in their lives, we had to travel to see them. And uh, uh, we have our daughter and grandchildren down in Ames, Iowa. We have our youngest son, Ben, who's local. He was the easiest. Uh, But we had to get together with him early because of uh, some conflicts with uh, his fiancée's family. And then we have our son, John, who's a a broadcaster, a play-by-play broadcaster for Virginia Tech. And they were in a bowl game. So if we were going to see uh, he and his fiancée, he and his wife, wife, I'm sorry, he got married this past year, uh, we were going to have to travel to Washington, D.C., which we did. So, for, uh, lest we forget your mother-in-law. Oh, my mother-in-law. How could I forget? Because that's actually where we were at Christmas. <laughs> uh, we went into Chicago, uh, drove into Chicago uh, on Christmas Eve and had a very delightful uh, Christmas dinner with my mother-in-law, 98 years old, still going. She has you know, less problems than I do. I'm, I'm still rather convinced that she's going to outlive me <laughs> at age 98. Yeah, so we we did a fair amount of traveling. And what I would say for me over the holidays was triggering was uh, travel, you know. And, and Debbie and I participated in, you know, both major forms of it. We drove to Ames, Iowa. We drove to Chicago. And we flew to Washington and back. And by the way, with the government shutdown that's going on at the moment, the TSA workers are uh, continuing to work despite the fact that they're not getting paid. And I was trying to affirm all of them as I went through security. Thank you for keeping us safe, and thank you for working when I know you're not getting paid. But it did create backups, you know, along the way, as they were, I think, undermanned, understaffed. And um, so there were long lines, and the planes were really crowded, and the weather is always concerning wherever we're going. And uh, the whole thing, the whole thing about travel is just stressful to me. And it's like a huge uh, trigger. You know, how am I going to cope? You know, how am I going to uh, soothe myself in the midst of all this? Well, you know, I don't do the sexual things anymore. So I think my number one temptation is to overeat. And certainly at Christmas, there are ample opportunities to, <laughs> to do. To overeat, of course. So I noticed when I got back uh, yesterday that uh, the scale, uh, 
was not too kind to me. Someone had tampered with your scale That's while you were out of town? That's probably true, yeah. <laughs> it probably was the cleaners that came in. I'm suspecting tampering has taken place. Probably, undoubtedly so. <laughs> anyway, that's the trigger of the week for me, and I'm just encouraging our listeners to think about and reflect on how stressful the holidays might have been for them, and, and even to use that as an example of, at times, how we're powerless. I'm powerless over our children's ability to get around and my mother-in-law's ability to get around and, you know, uh, that kind of thing. I've always been baffled by how much easier it is for us to go out of our way to travel to meet those people instead of those people (laughs) who have, you know, busy lives like we all do. But how how come it is uh, that that, uh, it's easier for us to be the, the, the ones going through all the effort? Well, whatever happened to uh, over the river and through, through the, the woods to, to grandmother's house, house we go. go. Uh, I, that's been lost someplace. Uh, anyway, see ha- the resentment. Uh, you know, yes, is, it's there. You know, I, it, so. It's there. It's funny because that's exactly. Well, that shows that you and I are from the same generation. Of course, that's the tune that went through my head when you started to chronicle where you and Deb have traveled over these this past yeah. week and a half. Because right. you went from Minneapolis, Minnesota, or Chanhassen, Minnesota, you know, to Ames, Iowa, to Chicago, Illinois, back to Minneapolis, flying to Washington, D.C., returning to Minneapolis. I mean, that's a lot of... <laughs> That's, that's a, lot. a lot of miles. That's a lot of miles. And yeah. and that's all in the name of, you know, great intentions, much love, uh, mm-hmm. and of course the desire to spend the holidays uh with your with your family and they're all terrific, but uh it does take a massive uh effort to make that come through. And here's a good example of triggering things too, as long as we're kind of extending uh, this trigger. Yeah, we're extrapolating and uh so forth. When I was in college and driving back to college in my Volkswagen Beetle, I was in an accident on Interstate 80 in Illinois in which uh, I spun out, went into the ditch, came up on the other side, got hit by three oncoming cars on Interstate 80. My Volkswagen Beetle became like a cue ball. And uh, ever since that time, fortunately, no one was hurt. And uh, the car actually, they they uh, rebuilt. I was surprised that they, you know, just didn't zero it out. But uh, ever since then, driving on interstates in the winter becomes a huge trigger for me. Sure. You know? And I and I get these, you know, anxiety uh, attacks about what the weather is going to be. And given my pilot training, I you know have access to all these weather sites and. And including for the airlines, and I, you know, I just, I just hyper focus on what the weather's going to be, and uh, it's exhausting to me and exhausting to those around me because I'm always making comments about the uh, weather. What I'm suggesting this is an example is of how oftentimes our triggers are related to old trauma. Sure, and, sure. Uh, PTSD at yeah. its, at its uh, most visible. Right. Um, so that, I don't think that that's an uncommon thing for many of us because if once you have survived an occasion like that, uh, having flashbacks to that kind of 
adrenaline pumping fear <laughs> inducing yeah, right. uh it's it's a real deal so um yeah. you know I, I think there's a lot of us out there who can relate to that point uh let's bring our listeners back uh, to today's show in which you are introducing uh show number one in the series that we'd like to do on the 12 steps right i admitted that i was powerless powerless over my memories. Uh, that would be another thing to think about. You know, I would like to believe that given my faith today, which is a lot stronger, a lot deeper than it ever was when I was in college, that, you know, I could somehow surrender this anxiety about interstate highways and uh, uh, just be done with it. You know, I know that uh, we have sayings, you know, God, take the steering wheel. You know, right, it's right. Like, Jesus, uh, take the wheel. Yeah, that's right. And I can sing that song to myself, or I can remind myself that, you know, God is, in fact, in control and in charge. And even if I were on the interstate and happened to get in an accident and die, then I am assured of my eternal salvation. So what's the problem with that? So, you know, but I, what I'm saying is it's unmanageable. Sometimes anxiety feels like an unmanageable problem. Sure. And a lot of that is related to early life trauma. And uh, so I'm just hoping that the listeners out there are empathizing with each other uh, that there are so many things in life over which we are powerless. And that's really the uh, center point of our spirituality, given the fact that we are powerless. Shouldn't we all really work on uh, surrendering to God? And we'll see that that's what the 12 steps are going to encourage us to do when we get to steps two and three in the next couple of weeks. But uh, for the time being, I think it's just a really helpful exercise as we look to 2019. What are some of the things that you'd like to be aware of and uh, work on, so to speak? And this gets us then to the 12 Steps is the program that Alcoholics Anonymous came up with back in the uh, mid-1930s. And uh, it was a program to uh, get alcoholics into fellowship with other alcoholics so that they could uh, keep each other accountable. And what that basically means is that, you know, they're going to remind each other not to drink. They're going to get together and provide, you know, healthy fun and all kinds of alternatives to drinking. But also that they're going to be starting new behaviors and they're going to need their accountability partners to encourage them about that. So I would say one of the reasons that I've failed in the past with uh, New Year's resolutions about exercise or dieting or whatever else it is, is because I was trying to do it by myself. You know, in the old days, I had sexual temptations. I knew I would call somebody. But when it came to, you know, do I need to go to the health club? You know, the thought wouldn't have struck me originally uh, to call somebody. I need somebody to inspire me, right. to motivate me. Right. That's right. So, to you know, today, given the fact that God has blessed us to a certain degree financially, I basically, uh, to make me do it, uh, I had to hire a trainer once a week who's like my sponsor in a way mm -hmm. in the AA program. Uh, he will send me an email. He will ask me what I'm doing at home. And then when I get there, he's going to remind me of things. And then I can share with the men in my life uh, that are uh, part of my accountability network. Would you occasionally remind me that uh, exercise uh, is really important and that I need to go to the health club. I'm not the kind of guy who can exercise at home. I could have the most fancy equipment at home and I'm not going to use it. So I need the energy, I think, of the health club to get me to do stuff. So I, that's just my own example. Uh, 
likewise, if I'm trying to be on some kind of a restricted diet right now, the doctors are telling me I need to more or less eliminate salt from my diet. Well, try to do that. Go to the grocery store. Said, said the chip lover. Yeah, the, <laughs> the pretzel, potato chip, cracker guy. You know, and uh, speaking of powerlessness, uh, I'm powerless over salt, and my heart has become unmanageable. My life has become unmanageable. So those are some of the things I'm thinking about needing accountability for in uh, 2019. So anyway, I hope... Uh, and just sharing my own example, uh, I've in, inspired you or stimulated you to think about your own powerlessness. Well, I think what you're really doing, Mark, as I hear you loud and clear, is that you're giving that invitation to, to everybody out there to do the same thing. Right. You know, we're big proponents of accountability partners and accountability groups. And I don't mean just one friend or things like that, but, you know, yeah, your, right. your entire body of, of uh, accountability partners. And it doesn't have to just be accountability partners in the field of sex sexual addiction yeah, and mm. your desire to be sexually pure uh, and sober, but to trust those same accountability partners with these other areas of your life that go, hey, guys, yeah. I, I need your support. I need your reminders. I need your prayers. Here's what I'm going to try to accomplish in this new year. Right. And the new year just kind of, ha- you know, God is very much like this. He cleans our slate for us all the time. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So instead of looking back over 2018 and, and, and beating ourselves up right. for our shortcomings, right. which we all have countless shortcomings, you know, to, to wipe that slate clean, much like God does with us, right. and, and just say, hey, here, here's January 2nd today when we're doing this program. I'd appreciate your prayers, your support, and you just even knowing that here's what I'm going to try to accomplish as we start this new year. Right. Then you know that you've got me praying for you. You've got your accountability mm-hmm. partners praying for you, and and vice versa. We've Because uh, we all have physical challenges, uh, health uh, issues, mm-hmm. and all those kinds of things. And in a perfect world, we'd be so disciplined that, you yeah. know... Uh, Salt and its effects would be, uh, you know, out of our out of our lives. But they're the realities that we deal with on a daily basis. So, um, no matter what our listeners are dealing with, um, we're praying for you. We we know that mm. that the uh, the battle is ongoing, but we also know that God is capable of uh, a forgiving us of any and all sin that we've been uh, involved with. And uh, just uh, moving forward, it's very empowering to know that change is possible in our lives. That's for sure. By the way, I'm thinking of one admonition for our couples, and that would be don't compare powerlessness. Right. Uh, This is not a competition. This is not a competition. This is not a comparison. I know some of the wives historically think, well, you know, you want me to think about owning my own junk, but nothing compares to the devastation and damage that my husband did with his sex addiction. Right. And I, I think given our ampersand here, you know, you are right. You know, there's very few things that, com- if anything, that compares to the damage of infidelity. And if we're going to be companions uh, and stand with St. Paul at the foot of the cross, you know, there's stuff that we all have to own. But don't compare apples to oranges. And at the same time, Admitting that we all have those same issues, uh, not same, but yeah, we each have issues, 
extend your compassion and your empathy right. to to each other because right. it it might not be the same issue, right. but but it still deserves the cooperation and mutual respect to each other to to help us overcome these things. Owning your own step one, let's put it that way. This is a tweetable moment. Uh, owning your own step one is the key that unlocks the door of your recovery as an individual and for sure your, your recovery as a couple. You have been listening to Dr. Mark Laser. I'm Randy Everett, your co-host, and we thank you for joining us today in show number one of 2019. We hope that today's message is one of, uh, of, of benefit and inspiration to you. We hope this coming week is going to be a week for you that's filled with many blessings and great vision.